started and I'm going to do a little different. If you're sitting in these wings, you may want to move, all right? There's plenty of seats in the middle. We're going to use the PowerPoint all evening. Some of the singles understand how we're going to do this tonight. We're going to use the PowerPoint. Someone says, oh man, we're supposed to come here for preaching. Well, I think if you'll listen, you'll get something and uh, I think you'll be encouraged. Matter of fact, up there in Detroit, Michigan, uh, a guy named Car uh, Tom Malone, not Carl Malone, he was with the Utah Jazz, but a guy named Tom Malone, Tom Malone used to use, uh, you know, years ago, he would, every Wednesday night, he'd teach his people using one of those um, as a overhead projectors. He'd use an overhead projector on Wednesday nights. So I think if uh, it was good enough for Tom Malone, I think it's okay for me. So anyway, let's go ahead and use this. It's a little different technology, but the same principle. I want you to see it, and uh, we're going to share it. And basically, I'm just going to drop my notes. I'm not going to have any notes tonight. I just want to share some things from my heart off this uh, screen as we share it. I put this stuff together and we're just going to see what happens. That's what we do with the singles. We just see what happens. It's fun. It's fun. So you never know what you're going to get, okay? You just got to hold on to your seat. I may say something really offend you and you, it'll be okay too. You'll like it. You'll enjoy it. So anyway, guys, if you'd help me with the pulpit, we're going to go ahead and we're actually going to set it down. So we're going to have to disconnect it at the bottom here and then we're going to drop it, okay? Uh, not drop it, but set it down nice and easy. All right, thank you. Wow, look at that. I know how to work it, even though you've not let me lately. No, thank you. 
John never lets me use the clicker down in the, in, at the uh, singles class. He has to feel like he's in control. Don't you, John? Yeah. I, I know how it works. Preach is right, yeah. All right, great miscalculations and mistakes. That's what we're going to talk about. Great miscalculations and mistakes. What we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is we're going to be talking about some of the miscalculations and mistakes that people made throughout the Word of God. Now, one of the things we find here in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, you're welcome to turn to any verse you like. That's fine with me. But it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. I want you to notice something very important again. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Everything in the Word of God is for, with a purpose. It has a reason. God put it in there for us to learn, to grow. And really, in reality, we know uh, the fact is, is that uh, you learn a couple different ways. You can learn by the mistakes of others, or you can learn by your own mistakes. And listen, it hurts a lot more to learn by your own mistakes or through your own mistakes. It's a lot easier to learn by the mistakes of others. And so God gives us a record. He gives us a record of uh, men and women throughout history, uh, through Bible times, as well as through history complete from start to finish. And, and he says, okay, now, here's what they did. Here's how they handled situations. Here's the circumstances that were involved. And so uh, I'm going to share those with you so that you can learn from them and avoid some of the pitfalls and avoid some of the hurts and heartaches that accompany uh, those kind of decisions that they made. And so we're going to take a look at some different characters throughout the Word of God over these next weeks, and we're going to try to see what we can learn. And along the way, we may kind of try to make it practical. We may actually try to say something that applies to us today a little bit, not just show what happened to them, but how it applies to us. And that's when it gets real fun, you know, if, if it just kind of pops in my head. It's really a good time. You may not like it, but I'm going to love it. And all my singles, of course, they love it. We have a good time. Don't you singles love it when we get in there and I rip your faces off? And I mean, I go crazy on them, okay? So it just may happen in here. We don't, and we'll see how it goes, okay? And you may just like it. You might be surprised. You might have to join the singles class before it's over with. Now, don't get divorced to join it. But anyway, <clears throat> all right, so let's go ahead and get this started with a word of prayer, and then we'll go from there. Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather tonight. Lord, in this short time that we have together, maybe this next 30 minutes, Lord, may you just teach us and show us, Father, from your blessed book, the Word of God, uh, just some principles, some things that will help us. Lord, may we truly be encouraged tonight. Lord, instructed tonight. May, Father, we not just be hearers, but doers of the Word. Oh, God, uh, I have a great burden for that. I just pray, dear God, that you'd help me to convey truth tonight. Uh, not, Father, through my own strength or through my own ability, but, Father, through your Spirit. Lord, of course, I have nothing to offer tonight except you do it in and through me. So, Lord, fill me with your Spirit, and, Father, may you anoint every listening ear. Father, even as we say the preacher has to be filled with the Spirit, so does every listener. Or it's not fair for them to come to church and expect me to be filled and preach my heart out. And then, Father, for them to listen with fleshly ears. Father, it's only fair that they, too, listen with spiritual ears that they've prepared and readied themselves to listen to the Word of God. They've confessed open sin in their life. That they, too, have dealt with their heart before they sit and listen to the Word of God from the man of God. Now, Father, help us, Lord, all to be encouraged tonight, to be blessed. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so... Let's go ahead. We're talking about great miscalculations and mistakes. You say, how'd you come up with that? I have no idea, but this morning, uh, about uh, whenever I got up, I don't know, it was 6 or 5.30 or whatever it was, 6.50, whatever it was, I, it just, boom, popped in my head, and there it was. First of all, we're talking about Eve. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. Let's take our Bibles, turn there, would you please? 
Let's take our Bibles and look at that for just a moment. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. We're going to look at Eve tonight. Eve. We're going to consider Eve. Great miscalculations and mistakes. Eve made a big one. You say, ah, oh, we already know all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we live like it too, don't we? See how it gets in Sunday school class at our That's how it gets at our class. So, so that's how we live. So, so, yeah, I see how we live. Therefore, before we start saying, I know this stuff, let's ask ourselves, am I really living a Christ-like life? Okay, so let's, let's try to figure this out. We're not too familiar with it that we can't learn from it tonight, okay? All right? Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Who will read that for me? I can't read all that. It'll hurt my throat. Okay, I tell you what, Brad, why don't you do that? Stand up and read. Why don't you read the first four verses and you read the last three, Dean? Brother Bean. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. For the woman, the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also un, unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Okay, when it was all said and done, when everything's said and done, the bottom line is this. Eve believed Satan's lie that God was holding back blessing. That he was holding back blessing. Tremendous misconception and big mistake. It's a misunderstanding, total mess up. Miscalculation and a mistake. Genesis 3, 5, and 6 Notice it says, For God did know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Satan plants the seed of doubt in Eve's mind that God isn't good. He, he plants that in Eve's mind. He says, Eve, God's not good. Why is he not good? Because God is hiding something from you. Notice he says, God doth know. See, God knows something you don't know, Eve. He's hiding something from you. And, and then he goes on to say, by the way, not only is he hiding something, but he's holding you back. He's holding you back. He knows that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open. Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That then your eyes are going to be open. And you're going to be as gods. Do you realize, Eve, that, that, do you realize, Eve, that God is holding you back? keeping you from being everything that you should be, experiencing all the blessings that you should, enjoying the pleasures of life as you should, being, becoming everything that you ought to be. Do you realize he's holding you back? That's what Satan was telling him. And unfortunately, Eve believed the lie of the devil. And you know what? We, we look at that situation all the time. We see it constantly. We see our young people 
and we watch them and they say things like, well, you just don't want me to have any fun. You did some things and now it's my turn and now all of a sudden we got all these standards in the home and now we got these rules and I'm not allowed to date and I'm not allowed to do this and I'm not allowed to do that and it's not fair. It's not fair. You did it. God's trying to hold me back. God's trying to keep me from enjoying my life. God's trying to keep me from having some freedom and fun. And that's exactly what Satan's lie was to Eve. And it's the same lie it peddles to every teenager in this room and every adult that wants to chase the world. If only had a little bit more money. You know God doesn't want to hold you back. You know God, God's trying to hold you back. You ought to go out and take what's yours. You ought to get what's yours because you deserve it. That's exactly what Satan's telling people. Because he's peddling the same stinking lie that he peddled way back there in the Garden of Eden that, hey, God is holding or withholding his blessing because God is not really good. And that's what the lie is. Never forget something, though. Satan is a liar, by the way. Amen. Don't forget that. The Bible says over in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 44, it says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not, Jesus said. I'm telling you the truth, Jesus said. But you don't believe me. Because I'm telling you the truth, you don't believe me. If I told you a lie, you'd believe that. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, okay, let me lie to you. Let me tell you everything will be fine when it won't be. Let me tell you you can go out and live in sin, and you can go ahead and live without consequences. I'll tell you all that stuff. You'll believe me because you just want to live like that. But if I tell you the truth, you won't believe me. And that's exactly how it is today in our world, isn't it? We don't want the truth. We'd rather hear a convenient lie. We'd rather believe somehow, like the children of Israel, that it's going to be peace and safety all the time, even though the Babylonians are coming down upon us. The devil is a liar, and you better figure it out. Anything that goes contrary to the Scripture is nothing more than a lie from Satan. You might as well not buy into it, because you're only buying a bunch of trouble. Satan's a liar, but then also, number two, you can always believe God. That's a wonderful thing. In Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, which is after godliness, which is after godliness, which is after godliness. You know what our problem is today in Christianity? We're not godly. We have no desire to be godly, no desire to live separated, no desire to be God's people. We don't want to be a peculiar people anymore. We want to fit in with everybody else. We want to just kind of roll through life and have it all nice and easy. Everybody said, boy, you're the nicest guy in the world. Boy, I really like you. You're a really good guy. You're always saying the right thing at the right time. If you're a believer and you got the gospel with you, let me tell you something. There'll be times that people aren't going to like everything you have to say. And they're not going to like the position and the stand you take. They're not going to appreciate your personal opinions on some issues that are based out of a biblical structure and a biblical word called the Bible. Listen, when you start telling them, as we said, heard earlier, back there in West Virginia, you start preaching against sodomy, all of a sudden there will be some people going to say, you're not very friendly, you're a hater. When you start telling people that it's wrong to live together before you're married and to have a relationship physically before you're married, they're going to say, you're not with the times. What's your problem, you old fuddy-duddy? 
And you start saying things like, you know what, it's still right to spank your children and to discipline them and correct them according to the word of God, utilizing the rod. They'll say, listen, that doesn't work today. It's not the way it's supposed to be. You're not a very good person. You're supposed to be a Christian and love people, not hurt people and teach them to be beaters, haters, stupid. But that's exactly what goes on. Listen, let me tell you something. You will not be a friend of the world if you're a friend of God. There are going to be things that you do, not because you intentionally go out to try to be that way, not because you try to grate people, not because you try to hurt or harm people, or you try to put people down, or you're better than everybody else. That's not it. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you just dress differently, people will think you're trying to act like you're better than them. If you just talk differently, people think you're trying to act better than them. If you don't involve yourself in alcohol and drugs and do, well, why don't you want to go to the bar with us? Why don't you go to the, the Christmas party at the work? Why won't you be a part of all that stuff? What, do you think you're better than us? Is it because you think you're better? Is it just because you don't want to be involved in that? That's all right. You could say to them, why don't you come to church? We have a special night on Sunday night. I don't want to go there. You think you're better than me? You're better than me. You won't go to my church. You won't take, eat a ear of corn. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's the same principle, but no, we don't hear it, see it that way. I think you ought to just say that to your friends next time. When they throw that in your face, say, well, the next time I want to invite you out to church. I don't want to go to church. Well, are you better than me? You think you're better than me? Why don't you try that one on for size? I think it'd be a good one. But never forget, Satan's a liar, but you can always believe God. And anything God says in this book is true. Anything. Anything and everything is true in this book. And don't ever forget that. That's so valuable and so important. And sometimes I wonder if we forget that along the way in life. I know in my own life I forget it. You say, what do you mean you forget it? Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I forget that sometimes. I forget that promise. And I start worrying about stuff I shouldn't worry about. I forget that sometimes. Do you maybe? I think we all do. At some point, sometime maybe. I think some more than others, and some people struggle with that more than others, just that specific thing I said. But the fact is it could be a number of things we struggle with. But the fact is is that we can believe God. What's the Bible says over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13? You say, um, somebody can give me the first word. No, no that, that, that's, that's, first, that's Romans 10, 13. Wherefore, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. That's, that's, that problem's still true. Okay, it, you know, it may not be fretting now, but maybe it's just another area of temptation. God says there's an escape. Sometimes we, we forget that. We forget that. Because, see, the truth is, is that you can always believe God. And so can I. We can always believe God. Train up a child in the way he should go when he's older, not depart from it. You can always believe God. Oh, no, you can't say, see, there's always conditions to every, every promise. There are sometimes conditions. You know what the condition is? Your holiness. And your obedience. That's the condition, usually. Some promises have no conditions whatsoever. Like, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're saved, you're saved. That's, it, it doesn't matter. Somebody says, well, I can live however I want. 
That's, that shouldn't be a hard attitude. Maybe you never did trust Christ if you really feel that way. But the fact is, is that by rights, actually, once you're saved, you're saved. I don't know. Once I was born into my family, I've always been part of my family. Doesn't matter how I live or what I do, I'm still part of the O'Donnell family. And same thing with God's family. Doesn't give you a license, but it's certainly nice to know. See, you can always believe God. Satan's a liar. You can always believe God. Number two, let's talk about Cain for a minute. Let's talk about another one of these. <coughs> We're talking about, I always forget that first word. Mi- <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and remember it. Ah, miscalculations and mistakes. There we go. Miscalculations and mistakes. Okay, Genesis 4, verse 1 through 10. Let's read that. This will be our last one. It'll last for about 30 minutes. I'm joking. I don't know. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Who helped me read today? King James Bible. Yes, sir. Would you read uh, five verses for me? And Mark, read five verses, would you please? First of all, Cain was the firstborn. That means he's big brother. He's the big brother. And you know what? After offering an unacceptable sacrifice, he's forced to humble himself before his younger brother. You say, what do you mean? Well, his younger brother's the one that had the the sheep. He had to go to him. He would have had to go to him and say, okay, all right, all right, I got to get a sheep. You know, that offering I offered wasn't accepted of God. And can can, can can I buy a sheep off you? Can I get a sheep off you? Now get a lamb. Can you do that for me? I mean, there's an element of humility here. He had to humble himself at that point. The Bible says simply here, he says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But if you listen closely, if you listen closely to Cain, you can almost hear him complaining about his goody two-shoe brother. And if you really listen close, you can hear him saying something like, My offering isn't good enough, but Abel's is. He's mom and dad's favorite. And now he's even turned God against me. Doesn't matter what I do, it's never good enough. You can hear that if you listen closely. You can hear it. You know anybody like that? He says, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Cain, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Oh, Cain, 
Cain, hold on, look at me now, son. Look at me if thou doest what? Well, shalt thou not be accepted. Cain had just as much as opportunity, he had just as much opportunity to please his parents and to please God as his brother did. Just as much opportunity. Every bit as much opportunity as his brother had. Cain, it, it, Cain I, I want you to understand, you could have pleased mom and dad too. You could have pleased God too. You had every opportunity to please God. You had every opportunity to please mom and dad. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? It is sad to watch. It is so sad to watch this. To watch those in rebellion the rebellion, blame others around them for their misfortune. They're living in sin. They're rebelling against authority. They're choosing to live like the devil. And then they'll turn around and they'll blame other people for their misfortune. They'll tell you, you don't love me and you don't like me and you don't accept me. Everybody else is your favorite. I don't understand what the problem is here. They'd rather justify their feelings and their actions by pointing to others than to truly look within and unearth the root of their misery. See, the real root of misery is the rebellion against God. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them and their relationship or lack thereof to God. And we spend a lifetime trying to make them feel like they have self-esteem trying to make them feel like they are, are worthy of our love, when in reality they don't feel worthy of it because they know in their heart they're not living according to our rules and according to our desires, and they certainly aren't measuring up to God's standard. So they always feel like little people. And they'll try to mask that with their anger, and they'll mask that with this attitude of, oh, 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 oh. Everybody's wrong and everybody hates me and nobody likes me and I'm the black sheep of the family and I just wish somebody loved me. All I've tried to do is ever, I just want you to love me. No, don't you realize, don't you realize if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Why don't you stop drinking and getting drunk and we'll let you come stay here. Why don't you go to church with the rest of the family and we'll let you stay here. Why don't you just go ahead and act like a husband and go to work and make, have a paycheck and maybe your wife will show you a little respect. Maybe your children will actually look up to you if you'll just do your responsibility and job. But no, you would rather complain. You'd rather blame it to this wife of mine. She doesn't respect me. She doesn't want nothing to do with me. She's cold. She's cold-blooded. No, she's just fed up with your rebellion, disobedience, and baby-like, childlike attitude. It is so sad to watch you, sir or ma'am, in your rebellious attitude and spirit, blaming me, blaming these, blaming family, blaming mom and dad, blaming God for your circumstance and your situation and where you are today. Listen, why don't you be a man? Why don't you grow up and be a woman and actually take responsibility for your own actions? Because it's really you that's making yourself miserable. Nobody else is doing that to you. And you know what, Cain? Go ahead and sing the blues all you want. But the fact is, it's your sin that's put you where you're at. It's not Abel's fault. And it's not mom and dad's fault. And it certainly isn't God's fault. The biggest mistake God may have made was creating you then. Outside of that, not his fault. 
James 3, 14 through 16. Very, very important verse. You might want to write these down. The Bible says, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, have you ever known somebody in rebellion? Doesn't it seem like they have a lot of bitter envying and strife? You ever notice that? Hey, maybe you've been there. I know in my heart I've been there a few times. I'm not going to lie to you. I wasn't always as wonderful a person as I am now. Some of you don't believe that yet. But, but still, the fact is that I, I wasn't always either. And I understand a little bit of this. You say, how do you know? Because I lived some of it. I know, I know what it's like to feel like you're an outcast. I know what it's like to feel like you're on the outside looking in. I know what it's like to feel like everybody thinks you're a big loser. And to feel unloved. And to feel like everybody's looking at your cross-eyed all the time. I know a little bit about that. And Cain knew something about it too, by the way. But notice what the passage says. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not. Praise God. I love Jesus. I love the Lord. Stop it. Stop it. And lie not against the truth. That's what the passage teaches. Say, well, I'm going to have to figure out what that means. I'm going to have to go interpret that. Well, what does it say? Because what it says is what it means. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Wow, that's putting things right where it belongs, right? It's not just you're struggling. You're having a difficult time right now. Growing up so hard. Uh-uh. No. It's earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, watch this now, this is important, there is confusion. Who's the author of confusion? God's not, so Satan must be. God's not the author of confusion, the Bible says. Satan is. So where envying and strife is, doesn't matter, wait, wait a second, doesn't matter where it's at. Doesn't matter if it's in the church, doesn't matter if it's in the home, doesn't matter if it's in the marriage, doesn't matter if it's in... The uh, school system, doesn't matter where it's at, if there is envy and strife, there is confusion, and every evil work. Every evil work. Every evil work. Why, why are people going around shooting each other? How come kids are taking guns to school? And how come all this is happening? Right there. Earthly, sensual, devilish. There's confusion in their lives, in their homes. And there is nothing more than every evil work that can abound now. That's why. It's not rocket science, folks. I'm trying to, what, we're going to spend millions and millions of dollars, billions of dollars on studies to try to understand why children take guns into schools and shoot people. You don't need to do that. Let's read your Bible. All you have to do is read chapter 4 of Genesis. And you see a perfect example of it. Because that's exactly what Cain did. Cain made a sad and serious miscalculation and mistake. He envied his brother is what he did. He envied him. And ultimately, he blamed him for his circumstances. In 1 John 3, 12, we're told, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him. Why did he do that? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. There it is. Why did he have an attitude toward his brother? Why did he get so angry with his brother? Why was he willing to kill his brother? Because his 
deeds were evil and his brothers were good and he couldn't stand the fact that everybody seemed to accept his brother and he was unaccepted. And yet God said all along, if thou doest well, shalt not thou be accepted? You know, James Dobson, you don't have to agree with everything. He's certainly not a fundamental believer the way we are, but still he's got some, he had some good thoughts and good good things along the way from time to time, back in the 80s especially, and even into the early 90s. And he used to talk about a thing called tough love. We don't talk much about tough love anymore. We threw that one out the window. He was actually one of the last men uh, to kind of stand there on that ground, you know, to say, okay, if you have a rebellious teenager, if you've got a husband that's going off into sin, if you've got a wife that's being rebellious and doing things, then you have to have some tough love. You're not going to be able to just bend over and and just say, okay, bury your head in the sand and just, oh, let it happen. No, he said, you're going to have to draw some lines. you got a son or a daughter that's involved in drugs. Guess what? You don't, you don't give them anything. You don't give them no Christmas money. You don't give them no, no help financially. You don't put them up in a house. You don't encourage them. You don't make it easy for them at all. Matter of fact, you just let them deal with it. You're always there if they need you. If they're genuinely repentant, like the prodigal, but you do not make life easy so that they can continue in their sin and provide for them. And, and what do they do? They started calling that something. What do they call that? Enabling. Thank you. Don't, we don't enable them. We don't make it easier for them to continue to do wrong and, and so forth. That, that's what it said. See, that's James Dobson. But see, see he, he, he was even a new evangelical. And he was wise enough and smart enough to see that truth. And he outlined it in the Bible and he took a stand on it. Thank God for that. We got fundamentalists. We got people that call themselves Christians that have some real defining characteristics and qualities, really particular from the world standpoint, separated from the world, that don't even want to take that stand anymore today because that's just too hard to stand. And yet that's a biblical stand, by the way. That's a biblical stand. And somebody says, well, you, you want me to hate my kids? No, I don't want you to hate your kids. You ought to love your kids. You ought to maintain some cords of connection. But hold on a second. You've got a drug addict son. Let me promise you something. If you've ever lived with that, and they're coming in your home and stealing things out of your home, it's time to say no more coming into my home. But that's not what we're doing anymore. We just continue to let them do whatever they do. And it, it, it covers across the board. It's how it works. Every, everything, so, so that's just one idea, one, one thought. What's the, what's, the, what's the end result then? Of, of this because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous? Murder. He murdered his brother. You want somebody to be really mad at you at work? Live righteous. There'll be somebody there that's evil that doesn't like you just because you are righteous. They're going to think, again, you think you're better than everybody. That's, that's the bottom line. Hey, listen, we make our choices and then our choices make us. That's not a consequence that we see today in our churches or in our homes, or in our marriages, or in our families. Listen, a woman comes to me and tells me that her husband's beaten her. I don't tell her to stay with him. I don't tell her to divorce him. I tell her to get away from him. He needs to make some changes before. He, he, you know, he's got to prove that, and somebody else has to prove it too, not just him because he's a liar probably. Listen, I'm not, I'm not about that. It's some tough love here. It's time to draw some lines. And you don't come back in the house because you got lonely for a day or two, and then you go back. No, no, we, we draw a line. You don't, you don't, we don't have none of that stuff going on. You know, we don't do that. We're drawing some lines in the sand until we get the help we need, until we get the things handled that need to be handled. 
But then we also are availing, availing ourselves to God's leadership. We're not closing the door on something if God hasn't closed the door. We're opening our hearts to the Lord Jesus and saying, I want to be a gracious child of God. I want to offer grace like you offer grace. And if it's possible, I'm certainly willing to work with it. However, as long as this is going on, we can't have it. Drug addicts come to me, wives of drug addicts or husbands of drug addicts, and say, what should I do? There comes a point where I say, listen, kick them out because they're just bringing trash into your home and somebody's going to end up hurting one of your children or doing something stupid. It's time to draw the line in the sand at some point. If they're not willing to get help and they just want to live their life and drag you and the kids to it, then fine. You'd probably be better off without them for a while until they get the help they need. You're just enabling them anyway, making it easy on them. Somebody says, well, I don't agree with that. You don't have to agree with it. Go to pastor any church you want. You can give the advice you want. But what I find is in this book right here, there are consequences for attitudes and actions. And we've got to get back to old-fashioned Bible perspectives. And you know what? Sometimes we, we, you know, this Christian thing gets a little bit too blown out of proportion. Every Christian is supposed to just bend over, let everybody spank them, let everybody smack them in the cheek twice, let everybody do anything they want to them. Nobody's allowed to get upset. Nobody's allowed to have an opinion. Nobody's allowed to have a perspective. That's not Bible. Man, ma'am, if, if your husband is cheating on you and you aren't ready to kill him, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> I didn't say kill him. I said if you weren't wanting to. And it's true the other way, too. This thing, well, nobody ought to ever feel that way. You're supposed to be a Christian. You should forgive. Well, yeah, if you aren't feeling that way, there's something wrong inside. Now, I hope you don't follow through with that because you won't be of any value to anybody, especially your kids, when you're in jail forever. By the way, as a Christian, you'd be the one that's thrown in jail forever while the other guy's out three and four times in a lifetime. But nonetheless, you better be careful with that. But I'm just saying, let's be careful. Let's consider this. We make our choices. Cain made a choice. You know what Cain's choice was? To be rebellious. And guess what? Because he was, he was rebellious, he began to envy his brother. He envied his brother because life just was good for his brother, but for him it was hard all the time. Couldn't figure it out. And it was always the same old story. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. I, I don't know about you, but when my kids are kind, considerate, obedient to me, when, they, when they're growing up, they were like that toward me, I always wanted to do extra for them. I always wanted to treat them nice. I always wanted to do things for them. I didn't always spoil them because I didn't want to spoil them. I, I was consciously aware of that all the time. But by the same token, I would try to treat them. But if my kids were angry and cantankerous and had an attitude, let me tell you something. They didn't get nothing. Except that right there in their hindsight. <laughs> and someone says, well, it's the same principle, isn't it? They get older, become adults. They don't learn that lesson early on. Then mom and dad, you're going to cry yourself to sleep because, and, and the wife and the husband, they're going to be crying themselves to sleep at night. Because they never learn consequences for their actions, to take responsibility for those actions. I want to encourage you parents especially not to raise canes. You know that statement, raise cane? You don't think that came from the Bible? It's not raise cane. So let's raise some Abels that have a heart for God, a desire to please their parents, and a heart to be the kind of person God would have them to be. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. Father, the simplicity of your word is just beyond my comprehension at times. I'm always trying to complicate it. I'm always trying to make it tougher than it is.